Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, I'm your host Norm, and this is the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast. And this is a review episode, but of course, we will be doing what's uh, trending, what's new, and what's on the crowdfunding scene. And reviewed on this episode are Crokinole and Tumbling Dice, some dexterity games. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award, presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Uh, Before we get into some games of late, I want to identify and welcome to uh, this segment a uh, feature, board game feature in Saskatoon here, uh, Mr. John Burt. And uh, uh, welcome to the podcast. And uh, give us a kind of a background as to what's going on with TuneCon. Sure. Um, Sure. Hey, Norm. Thanks a lot for inviting me. (laughs) <laughs> uh TuneCon's a board game convention that we've been running since 2011. We kind of skipped 2021. <laughs> I think everybody did. <laughs> we got 2020 in. Yeah. Just oh, before right. everything shut down. Yeah, that's right. Um we 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 have a variety of games based from Seven Wonders, a ticket to ride to Twilight Imperium 4. Nice. So, so we, so we cater to a large group of people of varying tastes. Some people don't really want to play Twilight Imperium 4. I don't understand. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have a wide range. And uh, we'd, we'd have an auction every year as well, which allows people to get rid of some of their games mm-hmm. and maybe possibly buy new games. Yeah. Which I, the auction goes pretty well. We sell 250 games in two hours. Yeah. So yeah. we're like that. We're flying. And I mean, to, to provide the context here in regards to population density, we're, we're a province in Canada, Canada, and, uh, and in Saskatoon, um, it's even like more isolated. Well, I, people think it's isolated. I think it's just fine. But wh- I think that what's the city's population about 250,000? Sure. We'll call it 250,000. Yeah. It's give or yeah. take. So that's basically the, the, the hobby base that we're looking at. And I, I think every, like the years that I've been able to go to, because I've, I've had other things kind of pull my, my attention left kind of thing. But the years that I've gone, I've had such a great time. There's been a whole bunch of people. Uh, it's a really um, inviting, open gaming atmosphere. But as well, you guys have all of these uh, uh, constructed uh, kind of play uh, um learn to play events too we do we don't have a lot of them yet this year yeah it's um it's a rebuilding I'm still looking season. for more people i'm still <laughs> looking for more people to 
to teach new games. Mm -hmm. And we've taught, we've taught stuff like 18XX and we've taught uh, Space Corp yeah. and things like that as well. And we teach lighter games as well. We actually ran a learn to play D&D last year, two years ago. Yeah. I can't say last year. That's <laughs> why. But the asterisks yeah, we, we, here. Yeah, we do, a, we do a wide variety. We have structured gaming. Plus, we have a games library of about, I don't know, we do 250 to 350 games. Mm -hmm. of variety, various kinds and stuff people have probably never heard of. Yeah. Well, there's a, I mean, considering, like I just mentioned, how small of a, a, a area we are, there's a really healthy 18xx community in this in this city and province because uh, uh, down south uh, in, uh, what is it, uh, Hatton, uh, Hattonooga? Medicine Hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that was one thing that struck me was, was the breadth of gamers that we have in this, in this community. So cool. And not only do you guys do the TuneCon, but, um, pr again, prior to the hiccup in the, in our chronology here, um, there was uh, Monday night events, uh, that yeah. were a feature all, always. We did Monday night at, uh, at Amigos and we'd feature one or two games. Plus we'd bring about another dozen games to see if somebody else wanted to play those. Mainly it was to a you know, keep people engaged in board gaming with other people mm -hmm. and to occasionally teach them new games. And that Amigos, was our real goal. And Amigos has fantastic food too. So well, yes, that, <laughs> that doesn't too. hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, that must be just, it just popped in my head. That must be the, uh, like the slow motion kind of no, as someone's eating chicken fingers and going to reach for the seven wonders cards kind of thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> cool. So let's get into, um, so yeah, no, first of all, Give us some dates for TuneCon coming up. Sure. It is April 8th to 10th. That's just a couple of weeks from now. And we have registration. We do early registration for a yep. cheaper price than at the door registration. Yeah. We e have e early, re early registration starting Sunday. The, what is that? 20th? I think so. Yeah, the 20th. We have it starting <laughs> Sunday. I keep I thinking today you. is Friday. Um, do you have any, uh, do you have any uh, uh, gate numbers as far as cost goes, or have you guys uh, figured that out yet? As to how much it's going to cost us? Yeah, gonna... well, no, uh, how much is going to cost people to, like, do a day pass or, or a week? Or, oh, yeah. Uh... Oh, definitely. We're, we're, we haven't actually, when we first started TuneCon, it was 25 bucks for the weekend, and I'm waving with my hands. <laughs> um, it was 25 bucks for the weekend, early registration, 30 bucks at the door, and that hasn't changed ever. Because right. I was talking about changing it a couple of years ago, but one of the other people on the executive said, why are you trying to exclude people? And I went, you're right. Let's just keep it the same. Cool. Because our, as we scale up with the number of people, we've moved to bigger and bigger venues. Yeah. But we've had enough people that it pays their cost every year. Yeah. And that's all we really need to do because we're not trying to make a profit on it. Well, and I mean, that's the sentiment that I've always noticed, too, is that that inclusion part where it's like, make it accessible. Right. And I think that's uh, that's fantastically done by the by the TuneCon community. So kudos. Thank you so much. We actually charge ten dollars for Friday or Sunday and twenty dollars for Saturday. Are you uh, what's the what's the gate numbers that you're hoping to uh, see? For the event this year, considering that a lot of there's a lot of apprehension, there's a lot of you know people we we we've been locked in our caves for a couple of years, so to walk out in the daylight might you know <laughs> be too much. We actually we've scaled it down a little bit because yeah. normally we've been get, we've been getting just close to 200 every year. This year we're probably going to go for 100 to 150. Okay, and 
if we get a hundred, I'm perfectly happy with a hundred people. Yeah. So that's our numbers. Cool. I think we're scheduled to have, was it 24, 30? We can probably do 50 people in a time slot right now, mm-hmm. but not everybody's going to want to play one of the games in yeah. that time yeah. slot. So quite often, some people just come to play, do open gaming. Yeah. That's well, all that's, they do. That's all. When I usually went, it's because uh, my schedule just, you know, accidentally it was, you know, hey, you could go now. Okay. So I would, I always appreciated just the open gaming. And like I had mentioned that you just circulate around and if a game's starting up and you're, you know, you, the body language is quite evident if somebody is interested in playing and there's room. So, and I've always known people to uh, just, you know, op- pull a chair out and come on, have a seat. And, and then that's the best part of this whole hobby is that social engagement that we've missed so much. And that's really one of the things that I've talked about with Toon, with TuneCon and board games. Board games are much more social yeah. than online games. Yeah. I'm not going to, I actually play an online role-playing game right now, but that it, it doesn't have the same, thrill that mm-hmm. you know, sitting at a table with all your friends does yeah. as you well know yeah well you know what's a good segue because uh before we hit record we talked about the you know some recently played so let's get into that and um oh i i'm fired up to <laughs> a little bit of a uh, little bit of a is going to come out because uh you've got a classic that you're going to talk about what is it i actually play in something called a national pro hockey league it's a it's a card hockey game that came out in the 80s but there's a the, the guy in town that owns the rights to the game publishes new cards every season. So <laughs> we're currently have a 12 team league. And so we all start with a team and then we can draft a couple of players. Oh, right on. And then we have a schedule and we play against each other. So, yeah, <laughs> That's so awesome. We do trades. We have a salary cap. So do you, so would you just physically take these cards and like mail them to the person and say, here you go. Here's your, or, or is, how, how does this all happen? This is, fa- this is fantastic. I want to know more. <laughs> and to, just to describe for people, it's basically looking like an old school Monopoly card, size at least, but it has what looks to be like the old school newspaper graphics of, of wins, losses, the, col- the ranking yep. columns of data. Um, it's such a nostalgia. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little cry now. <laughs> the the original game only had the team name, the player, their injury number, and stuff like that. The new ones actually include their birth date, their height, and their weight, and their country. Oh, nice. And nice. Uh, it it is a much. I'm seeing. I'm just gonna jump in here. I'm looking at. The, it, it has a page on BGG. <laughs> Yay! <Yeah. laughs> and uh, it's. Uh, it says it's designed by Terry Appleby uh, or Apple. Yeah, Apple by or Appleby and uh, published by Sport Action Game Company Limited. <laughs> that, that's the original publisher. Yeah. Um, and it and like the cover is it, it's got this Ken Dryden-esque, you know, yeah. leg save going on that that and the whole old kind of, oh, it's got such nostalgia. And they don't have any. They, they don't have any team images because that would well, be yeah, copyright. Well, yeah, IP, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. And so is, as far as, as, far as like, um, uh, um, objectives of, of game sessions, is it, a, is it like 
that idea of rolling dice or how mechanically speaking, how does, how does all this data function in the game system? Um, to start the game, you compare face off, you pick your strategy. Okay. So you it's can, like, it's like a deck holding kind of thing. No, no, it's the right on the main player board. There's, I'm going to do pressure for checking. You're going to do breakaway. Okay. And then we look up and look on a chart because it's a, an eighties game and we compare <laughs> to see what everything is. And then we, we compare our face-off ratings of our centers, and one of the player who's ever highest rolls 2d6. Look on a chart, and then just start rolling dice. Whoever's oh. the puck rolls to see what happens on their player card. <laughs> and you go up and down the game that way. It's oh. fucking fun to... Too oh. bad you can't have somebody being like a Howie Meeker in the background. <laughs> um, for example, here's Patrice Bergeron. I'll give you a quick glimpse of him. Yeah. This is, um, He's a, he's a pretty good center and he's probably one of the best face-off men in the NHL, especially according to these stats. So I win most of the face-offs with him. Yeah. I'm not playing the Boston Bruins. <laughs> but I happen to draft him because nobody is playing the Boston Bruins. And then, you know, if he's that just game, that team doesn't exist in this reality, <laughs> right? You just um, roll two D six and you go, Oh, this is what I rolled. And if it's a number that comes up, like you'll see on the, yeah, in the center yeah, zone, there's yeah. top nice. of the bottom. You'll, you'll look on the chart. You look on the board because there's all the tables on the board. And the, um, and the game flow, is it, is, does, is it impeded by the dice rolls and the interpretation of the data? Or, or you guys have been playing it so long that you guys, your eyes know exactly where to go. This is my first time playing. This okay. is the first time I've been in the league oh. since 1995, <laughs> give or take. So it took me a We're couple showing of our age. I know <laughs> it took me a couple. It took me a game to remember how to things work yeah. and how to optimize my optimize my team. Cause if you've got a guy that scores really well on a, on your left wing, you want to feed your left wing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now this right away to me, this like, this is the original legacy game. <laughs> it is. Oh. It is. Cool. Now, have you had to retire any cards in this whole in this whole uh, um, uh, campaign? Let's call no, it. Not yet. We we just started the first. We just started the first season. I've been in. Now, have there been injuries? Have you had to like? Oh, that guy's that guy's done for the career-ending knee injury. I'm. At, I, I actually have two guys out for two games right now. <laughs> uh, Jacob Truba and. Oh, I love it. The defenseman that's a goal scorer in uh, Florida. Ah, oh, man, you're you're hacking my brain. I can't think of anything right I, now. I don't remember his name, but he's got 15 goals in the NHL this year. Okay. Wow. And and Eric at Aaron Eckblad. Okay. I was going to I was off on a different mind process. No worries. So. <laughs> um uh and and this is this has got a healthy participation as far as like the players. You guys got like a 12 player team league or something or 12 player league. Yeah. And uh one of the guys that's in the league has played in every incarnation of card. We call it card hockey too. He's played in every incarnation since I set up the first league in what, 88 or 87. So, <laughs> so I you, ran when a, you were, when you were five, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I ran the league for a few years and then somebody bought the game and I moved to Alberta and. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And so is it every season? Is this one of those things where it's like, um, you have the only copy in existence in this continent area. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, there's probably, I think every player has a copy. 
It's nice. crazy. Everybody so, has a copy. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna search board game oracle and I'm gonna see if this pops up anywhere. Cause if that's the case, I'm gonna I'm gonna flinch on the on the uh <laughs> put it in the shopping cart thing. Hi. If you like the content we're creating and the podcast episodes we're producing, please leave a happy rating on the podcast platform that you use. This would be such a great gift and would also help others find our podcast when they search for board game podcasts. And if you have the time, check out our new YouTube channel where we have new content every few days. Just search Cardboard Conjecture on YouTube. Thanks, eh? Oh, that's so cool. Well, I mean, it's it's not as cool as what I've I, we were playing last night in the gamers garage. But um, uh, I don't know about you, uh, in regards to your like. I mean, I know you're like me, Martin Wallace. Love, wa- love, love, Mister Wallace. Can I call myself a Wallace? <laughs> we can. Maybe I'll let that sneak through. Um, uh, uh, played Blackout Hong Kong, and uh, I've not first play for myself. For basically, first play for everybody at the table. But we are all very, very familiar with uh, um, Fister's games and all the mechanisms he uses and all the the way things connect. And of course, my biggest complaint, but not the most crucial complaint, is the uh, the library of icons that you have to put in your working memory in order to uh, navigate the the board and the system. But that being said, once that's in your working memory, wow this is a cool game like it's it's that idea of i mean like the title speaks for itself um hong kong's in a blackout you are community leaders that are trying to bring uh, a restore uh, um uh uh i I guess some civility or some support to the community by helping out with water gas food uh, and, and medical attention and all those essentials and in fact it's also an area control game and uh, with with Fister and and the card play, he I mean he's got all these things that work together. And the one thing that threw me off that isn't really typical of him is using dice, and the that that dice generating where these resources pop up. And man, it's like I it's that's that's my Achilles tendon is you put dice on the game, and I am going to suffer ignorance because the dice hate me. So it was basically that, but I loved it. I loved the whole thing. Is it like bringing uh, resources on the board like you do in Age of Steam? You know what's coming and you just roll dice and that's what comes out? Or is it something different? It's something, here, I'll describe to you. It's got a very recipe-like uh, uh, event to it. So whoever's the, the in control of the turn takes the three dice and there's, I believe, six resources so not every round are the resources going to come out. There's always going to be three because when you roll the dice, if you get doubles, then you have to re-roll. So once you identify the three separate resources, those three different colors relate to the cards or the community people that you have in your hand. And on those cards, it's either a single red cube or single red dice or double red dice, meaning that, oh, this time the red dice is showing a medical kit. If I play this, I can get two cubes of resources in my medical medical kit area on that kind of Rondell-esque uh, resource catcher, right? And when you go to do uh, like an event or when you go to do a, uh, 
um, an objective, you pulled those resources off of your storage, off of that um, rondelle that, that exists. And it's so interesting that um, I don't, like it's, um, I love Great Western Trail. Um, and this one just is catching me by, it's kind of sort of like, it's blindsiding me because I never expected this to be that interesting to me. Okay. I'm actually just looking at it on Board Game Geek and they talk about the me mechanisms. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of mechanisms. Yeah. It's um, it's like on the side here, it's that whole, like I said, oh, and the, yeah, the area majority area influence. Once you go and help out uh, or achieve an event, you get, uh, you get that card off of your objectives board. It goes into your hand because it's a buffed up card now. That's how you get the, you know, the twos and the three resources. Okay. But you also get to put a cube out on the board in these nodes and intervals that uh, um, the perimeter designates a region. And in the center of that region, that's where these, these, um, these chits or these uh, opportunities exist in regards to if I can have so many points in accumulation of the, the cards in my hand, I can get, I can, you know, cash it in for this. And um, the cash in could be points, could be money, could be resources. So there's, it's very, I don't want to say it's very Feld-like in regards to how many different angles and turns you can take in regards to, I, I'm not even, not even Feld, it's very Fister-like. It reminds me of Boone Lake where I'm going to go this route. I'm going to go this route. So yeah, see, I'm talking positive things, and I'm trying to convince myself that I don't like it, but I guess I do. <laughs> so, I'm have just, you had any experience with this game? No, no, I haven't. I'm actually just looking at the uh, the games that Fister's done. Yeah, and I've played Mobasta, I think. Yeah, and wait for it. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Great West. No, I haven't even played Great Western Trail. Like Isle of Sky is his. Yeah. Um, Maracaibo. Uh, Boone Lake, as I said. Um, I'm terrible. I'm, I haven't played any of his stuff. Newdale. Yeah. I, like, he, he loves the card-driven system, I've noticed. And I'm okay with that because, as I said, parallel to that is Martin Wallace and how he likes to work on the card so i think it's that whole you know the whole kind of uh, parallel play system i guess <laughs> yeah I, i'm actually just looking i haven't played a lot of mr stuff well Dude. you know what yeah you should give it a try i mean um it's it's got some serious depth to it in regards to if you're playing and and we were playing with the player who has this ability to beautiful mind the connections on the board and the cards in the market, um, yeah, we were we were at a we were basically trying to play the the whole game was trying to play catch up to Jordan. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if I'm listening to myself, I'm glad I got the game, and I'm glad we finally got it to the table. So the only great Fister we're running at Tooncon this year is Great Western Trail. Yeah, and that's pretty much ever since it came out. I think we've ran it every year. I've, and I do, as you say that, I'm thinking in my head, I do always remember at least one table um, playing that game because it's a, it's a longer game at four count, but um, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Alexander Fisher's awesome. So cool. Well, that's, uh, that's the games of late. And um, I'm going to uh, say again, thank you to John for 
popping on and uh, talking about TuneCon and talking about what's coming up and and what we can expect. So um, uh, any place that they can find you, website or uh, Facebook page? You can go to uh, www.tunecon.ca uh, slash game info if you want to actually see the uh, schedule. Uh, registration will be on that website too. It'll be, it'll launch you to a Google document and that'll, you'll be able to go to, uh, there'll be a PayPal page as well for that. All right. So that way you can, you can actually, everything can be through tunecon.ca, but we're also on Twitter at SK underscore tunecon and we're on Facebook at tunecon. Okay. We're, 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 we're sadly lacking on uh, <laughs> Facebook because I'm a terrible Facebook person. I just don't <laughs> use it very often. And uh, so that's, that's always been our issue is we don't do Facebook enough. Yeah. Well, the, the, your main page, your main website is, is basically your, your main hub of uh, social interaction on the, online. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me, Norm. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Hey there, welcome back. Let's check out what's trending, what's new, and what's on the crowdfunding scene. So the, uh, <laughs> the first one uh, that we're going to talk about is what's trending. And uh, the title kind of threw me off. Right, a little threw me off a little till side until I saw the picture, and the title is Hamlet. So uh, me being a little theater geek, I went, you know exactly where I went. I went to the Bard, right? But no, not the Bard, more like the farmer, <laughs> because uh, this is girl hum a humble Hamlet, in, in, you know, like a small tiny village into a bustling town, and uh, it's one to four players designed by. David Cherkop and published by Mighty Boards. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see what's the date here. 2022. So, obviously, uh, new to the shelves uh, and, um, well, not obviously, potentially new to the shelves. So, let's, I mean, let's get into the description because I, ha I don't know anything of this game. So, let's see what the uh, publisher says. Uh, when you think of a village builder, you sometimes think of a card tableau or static hex tile grids. Think again. Lots of buildings, all of which, uh, uh, all with different shapes, all fitting together in interesting ways. One central hamlet that the players contribute to with its own self-forming demand and supply economy. Villagers walking through the hamlet, delivering food to households and building resources to construct sites. And one day the church will finally be built and the one little hamlet has become a fledgling town. Who will be the biggest benefactor when that happens? Uh, including Solo Mode by Nick Shaw and David Turksey. So, uh, bing, right there. That's a big sell for me because David Turksey has turned into probably uh, uh, <laughs> like a, a composer taking a piece and, 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 and turning it keeping the same 
heartbeat, but just giving it a different twist. And that Turksy's doing that for the uh, um, solo, let's see, approaches and methodologies to uh, board games. So I'm liking that right there. So let's see mechanisms. Network and route building, pickup and delivery, tile placement. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's considered, ca categorically, it's considered an economic fantasy medieval kind of thing. So um, I am... Yeah, I'm interested, totally interested. Uh, but again, as I described to you, if that, if those, sorry, the, like the mechanisms, if, if that's not, if you're not a pickup and delivery person or network building, um, uh, move on. Um, but yeah, I like it. So tile placement to me says there's variability. Pickup and deliver, uh, pickup and delivery tells me that there's also variability on the way that you prime the board or you prep the board with with resources. And that network and rope building means that you've got to uh, do some mind mapping. So I'm a, I love Hansa Teutonica, right? So if this is, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some homework. Yeah, I'm totally digging this. All right. So that was, uh, that was what's trending. Let's get that title again. Hamlet, to be a town or not to be a town, I guess is what that's saying. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> here we go um <laughs> what is uh new um so 2021 uh and i'm gonna try to pronounce this properly here uh erantis e-r-i-a-n-t-y-s erantis sure <laughs> uh so and you know what the fact that there's, and I'm a school teacher, I've seen names um, in, in all sorts of configurations and, and syllabic stress points. Um, uh, yeah, this is the magical world of floating islands. Cool. I, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm, I, I looked at the, uh, the cover art and it just, it, it paused my speech. That's how, uh, that's how, um, live it is and uh, and colorful cool i'm okay i'm i'm like soaking this up because uh it's a visual joy for a second so designed by leo uh, colovini and published by cranio creations and uh, cranio creations let's just take a quick kind of background check on here we're talking um gaia project nemesis feast for odin terra mystica concordia uh, and I'm going. This is I'm going off data from uh, BGG. So, uh, yeah, yeah, adrenaline I see uh, attributed to them. Um, so what I'm thinking in my head is okay. It's coming from a uh, uh, at least from my point of view, a, um, a, a, a creative team that's putting some really good product on the table. So. Yeah, color me interested. I'm looking at this. Let's see. I haven't need, see. This is the good thing because it's taken me off my format. So let's get to the description, and I won't read the whole thing. Let's just get you know the the inside the inside peek. So hidden by the soft cloudy whiteness is a world where floating islands are home to great schools for young magical creatures from the five realms: cute little red dragons, clumsy pink fairies, spiteful yellow gnomes small blue unicorns, and green frogs who dream of becoming princes show up at the gates of schools with the hope of being admitted to the great hall and being able to admire the famous professors of their realm. Nice! So 
Uh, let's quickly take a, take a peek at the mechanisms. Uh, area majority, area influence, okay. Hand management, nice. Uh, that, that means that there's some you know, mitigation, some cool choices there. Modular board tells me there's some cool variability and team base game. So uh, yeah, this, uh, th th this kind of sounds dynamic. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, let's see. Um, I mean, ob obviously it's like an abstract strategy, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's a very cool game. It, it kind of got me uh, um, uh, on a very curious note here. So, um, uh, uh, Arientis. Boy, someone's going to have to help me pronounce that one. <laughs> All right, so um, moving on, we've got uh, the, on the crowdfunding check, uh, we have Tamashi Chronicle of Ascend. And it's dated for 2023. Become an outsider and fight against Ascend, a cold AI that rules over the world. Koal. Uh, so it's designed by Camille uh, Sanex Klesia, Robert Piesowicz, and Lucas Ladarsisk. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, Published by Awaken Realms, boom, right there, Awaken Realms, publisher with some, uh, as, and subjective, right? I mean, all this is always subjective, but Awaken Realms, to me, has some credibility. They've put out uh, a lot of games that a lot of people like. So let's get into the descriptor, see what uh, the publisher says about the game. So uh, Tamashi is a cyberpunk adventure board game with a post-apocalyptic vibe. Players will struggle to survive and pursue their agendas in two worlds at the same time. The physical one, filled with deadly machines and merciless human survivors, and the virtual one, prowled by tracking software and vicious viruses. Players will try to achieve their goals on a modular city map. They will find new locations, fight against strong enemies, and search for important information and files needed to win the game. The second part of the game takes actions on a virtual map. Here, you will try to hack your opponents, unlock special bonuses, or get one-time bonuses for completing the sequences. The game may be played in different scenarios. You might have to cooperate with other players, play against them, or even make uh, an alliance with your enemies. But watch every step you take, every conflict, cooperation, or alliance might be a double-edged sword. Nice. So the mechanisms, action points. I like that. You get to make some your, your choices for strategic and tactical uh, moves in the game. Cooperative game, as, as was mentioned. Grid movement, nice. Uh, slide and push. I, that was that seems interesting. Um, I'm not too familiar with uh, the the uh, uh, incorporation of that mechanism. And um, yeah, yeah, it, it's not pinging for me yet, but. Uh, Hmm. This is looking interesting. I'm going to uh, I'm going to check with the uh, uh, friends, gaming friends who are big Awakened Realms fans, and see what they uh, check the litmus test with my friends to see uh, what their interest is in. But uh, the, the cover art is fantastic. It's got that very cyberpunky vibe. Now, uh, now uh, I I grew up with '90s cyberpunk and. Uh, and uh, yeah, Johnny Mnemonic. I mean, I, I remember reading the the first edition, and yeah, it was a book before it was a you know B-rated movie. But Keanu, 
It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there we go. There's uh, what's trending, what's new, and what's on the crowdfunding scene. And uh, take it or leave it. Um, uh, I think there's a couple in there that I'm going to keep tracking or keep you know doing some homework on. So there you go. This episode is supported by the incredible team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team to ensure their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Board Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Hey, welcome back. This is time for some reviews. And uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is the dexterity review segment. <laughs> and uh, uh, as we, uh, before we get into it, I uh, just want to quickly touch base on the, the format structure, go through some game details. And uh, after that, uh, talk about the, uh, the nuts and bolts and kind of a quick overview of the game. And then moving into opinions, where uh, there's a outside-to-in approach to this game because we always look with, you know, we always, first thing is your eyes. You see, you see that item on the shelf or you see it uh, promoted on a page. Um, and then uh, finish with some conclusions and, and uh, give the thoughts and uh, thoughts and opinions. So let's get under that first one. And the first one is Crokinole. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like poutine and maple syrup and Tim Horton's coffee all rolled into one. Uh, so Crokinole came out in 1876. And uh, this is, it's, you know, two to four players. Uh, I'm, in the details in me, I'm, I'm thinking, you, you can't really, you know, give a quantitative data point for something that is just an essence of culture. <laughs> but uh, it says eight and up. And uh, I remember seeing this. Uh, the, I remember some of my first memories of watching Crokinole before I could even start walking. Now nah, I'm joking. That's just, you know, <laughs> hit my head. Um, so uh, now the designer, it's uncredited, but the, the history goes back uh, that it is uh, in Ontario, in a rural community in Ontario, uh, a ethnic community, and I'm not going to, uh, again, I don't have my data precisely in front of me, so I do know, and it makes sense because Canada's a mosaic of cultures that have, you know, come to this, uh, this part of the world, and uh, so with that, they bring their influences, and in their influences, uh, it, it works together with what their own reality is, and, and uh, if uh, Ontario is anything like Saskatchewan is in the winter, um, you got nothing to do when it's deadly cold outside, so you cr you be creative. And this game, uh, you know, and, and of course, there's, I mean, you could see, uh, at least I could see, the influence of curling in here, the influence of darts maybe, um, that whole approach of targeting, right? I mean, um, there's, there's um, bocce. It's all about targeting, right? So in a situation like this, I don't think it takes too many bored and creative minds when it's minus 40 outside to uh, come up with a, and again, I'm, I'm, I, the, 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 the rondelles, man, the discs, 
looks pretty close to a hockey puck. <laughs> so there you go, eh? Um, uh, so yeah, there you go. That's uh, a publisher. There's, it's public domain. Uh, you can down- now. Here's the thing too. Um, I'm a I'm a carpenter. I'm a, a woodcarver, woodworker, craftsman. Um, I, this is sort of like the the for I guess for uh, for hot rodders or something like rebuilding a classic or or building something classic from scratch. So this is my uh, one of the this is one of my pet projects to build myself uh, one of these uh, five you know three hundred to five hundred dollar crokinole tables and then just nobody nobody touch it. <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta play. It's a it's the most awesome game. So let's get let's get into it. The overview. So here's the easiest way to go through the overview from my experience is okay. So crokinole is a flicking game where each player uh, has a part of the uh, board and the board consisting of a a circle and each uh, in this circle are rings of concentric circles or kind of um, uh, tar- uh, um, circles within a circle as you progress to the center. Uh, the outside uh, scoring is five. The next level of scoring is ten. There are uh, precisely uh, um, positioned pegs that uh, separate the ten uh, circle or uh, how should we say circular band um, and the inside of this uh, protected um, posted <laughs> impossibility death zone no I'm joking um, is 15 points and as I said if you can get your disc in the middle it's 20 points um, how do you win this game depending on how what you you know how you're playing this game or what kind of uh, house rules you're playing with this game um, there's many different ways you can play this game it's a um, bottom line it's a it's a most points wins to a certain target kind of game and uh, now how the, the, the rule structure goes, and uh, again, um, I'm not going to get into the competition level, you know, rules, but um, the table's put on the board, it stays put, you sit in your chair, you stay put, I mean, sorry, the chair stays put, <laughs> and uh, um, I'm going through my own set of house rules that I'm teaching my kids. And um, so how it works is, um, you have this circle that's kind of divided into, on the outside ring of five points, um, it's uh, divided into four equal areas, and that is your shooting zone. On the edge of the outmost outside ring is where you have to place your disc, and you have to touch the line to you know, have a legal starting flick. And if you are the first shot... You can't hide behind a post. The rule is, is on your first shot, you have to at least be touching that 15 line that represents that, uh, that, that perimeter, circle perimeter of, of uh, posts that inside that perimeter exists, the 15-point and the 20-point cup. Um, so you take turns, and once there's, a play, once there's a disc on the board, if it's your opponent's disc, you must hit that disc. Uh, and either try to like take it out of the board or at least hit it and stay into play. If you do not hit that disc and you hit your own disc, uh, depending on the, you know, the severity of the house rules, uh, both discs are removed from the table. So the rule is if the opponent's on the table, you got to hit them first. Okay. And uh, so there's a lot of, you know, 
bank shots going in, you know, for the for the the cup drop, right? So you know, a bank, as we say in the house, a bank and a cookie, right? Um, uh, I don't know where this is. I just I think that comes from my grandpa, and uh, so yeah, that's basically how the point. Um, uh, you know, how you make points in this game. How you win this game, like I said, is dependent upon you. I've, I've seen people uh, do, you know, uh, first to 50 points, or um, we go, you know, you play out the whole, uh, you, I, I didn't even say how many, sometimes you start off with a certain number of discs, depending how many players. Um, it can be from six to 13, right? Um, once those are all exhausted, that's when you evaluate the board, that's when you decide, is it going to be, you know, accumulated points or who has the most points of that round wins, you know, a check mark and you play, you know, first to three check marks or something. So it's one of those types of games where the the structure of the game is present to you. The rule set is is known by all your interpretation of how you make a game of this um, of, of, of this physical resource is up to you. And um, so and. To lean into that, well, you know what? I'm going to wait and, and uh, use that as kind of a unique thing. But um, so that's, yeah, that's the overview. That's nuts and bolts. So uh, opinions now, outside in. Well, there's no box, but outside in. There's there's some crokinole boards that I have seen that, as a carpenter, are works of art uh, that I that I would, I would play crokinole, but I would be wearing... You know the comic book oil-free gloves because it's like I said, it's a it's a created, crafted masterpiece. Um, and all the other way down to you know Canadian Tire Special with a couple rivets on the board that you're having to take that into account as you're ramping your as you're ramping your disc off of a uh, of a metal obstacle that's part of holding the board together. You know it's that it's that range. So um, uh, <laughs> so yeah. You, you know, there's a, and I've seen, if you go on uh, Board Game Geek and you click on uh, Crokinole, there's, I'm looking at some here, there's, uh, because there's four areas uh, for different players, uh, there's a fantastic four where each zone is the, is thematically uh, painted to represent uh, each of the characters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as long as uh, the, the lines are there. The posts are there. The cups there. It's the about. It's close to the right size. Um, you're not playing in a tournament, so it's a game, right? And it's so much fun. Um, I'll get into that in the in in more in, in the in the opinions. But uh, components, I kind of touched on that. It can range. You like I said, you can buy a fifty dollar uh, um, uh, Walmart special that has checkers on one side and crokinole on the other side. Or you can go to uh, particular websites. Uh, I mean, if you if you uh, Google, you know, certain uh, words, you could probably find a craftsman that does custom crokinole boards with maple and and uh, you know, you name it. And uh, so the uh, the component there is uh, up to how how much of a game you want to be, right? Um, and again, like everything else, bling it out. You can get, you can go overboard, but there's no such thing as going overboard for something that you have so much fun with. Okay, rule book. Um, I yeah, the rule book is pretty much. Uh, you can find it. It's public domain, so you can find it online. I think uh, BGG has uh, uh, one of the public domain rule PDFs in their file system. 
Um, as I described to you, that's pretty much the rule set. It's so easy. It's like hopscotch. <laughs> it's you, you explain it and it's fast and let's go play. Um, the game system, game style, I kind of described that in how you, you attain your points. Now, uh, game style. Maybe we can now get into a little bit of, you know, you, house ruling, not necessarily house ruling, more sort of like, well, we never did that. <laughs> and uh, for us, the one thing that cracks me up is the one cheek rule, right? Once that board hits the table, once the game starts, don't fidget with the board. You don't do the little kind of move it left, move it. It's, it's like welded into place. Once the game starts where your chair is, welded into place. The, I'm going to let you think about the, what the one cheek rule means. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You can move anywhere on that chair you want as long as one cheek is still touching that chair. And uh, that, to me, when you're going on your, on your crankier wrist side, ooh, yeah, that, that, there are a lot of people watching that chair. <laughs> There's a lot. And again, that's the fun part because it's like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to do. Yeah, look at you. You're going to fall off that thing. So, <laughs> um, and I'm, as, I, as I talk to you about these stories, there's just so much joy in these stories because, uh, spoiler alert, I love this game. Um, so, uh, unique mechanisms. Um, th- everything in this, the unique mechanism of this game is how unique physics can be, I guess, is what I'm saying. For those people who uh, love billiards and love snooker, um, when you got that angle, when you when you look at that shot and you are able to precisely um, predict and 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 visualize the angle of incidence and the angle of reflection, and n- not not just that, but you're trying to with a round object impact another round object. So you're targeting, oh, it's, it's just, it's, um, yeah. Like, I, I understand how some people love to watch baseball because of the understanding of all the statistical approaches to right-handed pitcher, left-handed, you know, batter, that whole thing. I don't, I can't see that. But boy, when you put a crocodile board in front of me, I can see it's like, there's off of this one, off of this one, and I'm going to drop it in the 20. So a double, basically a double and a 20. Tap, 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 drops it, and your brain, there's just this kind of little reward sensation in your brain, and you feel, yeah, yeah, that's it, eh? <laughs> um, so does this all connect? To me, it all connects because it is just part of how I grew up, right? There's some people who grew up with a soccer ball and, uh, or a football, depending on what cultural perspective you're looking um, there's some people who grew up with a hockey stick in their hand, you know, before they, they basically stood up because they're leaning on their hockey stick as a child, right? Um, that's how Crokinole, uh, what it's been to me uh, as growing up. It's always been there at the lake. It's always been at the house. Um, it's, all, it's here with my kids all the time, too. Um, and uh, what I've discovered, cool as well, is uh, that there's, uh, if, you li- if you do some searching around um, and uh, you can find out there on the internet somewhere um, uh, PDF files of trick shots and uh, I believe there's one tournament that every year produces a thematic set of trick shots and uh, I've I mean I play solo now but it's just trick shots so let's get to the conclusion and it's 
pretty obvious that uh, this is not only this is not only a top shelf dexterity game of all dexterity games. The foundation of of comparatives when it comes to dexterity games for me that this is not just top shelf. This is so top shelf that there's a unique spot on my wall where I present the board face to the viewers so they can see its magnificence. That's how top shelf this game is to me. And uh, yeah, enough said. If you want to just have kind of beer and pretzel funs, it works. If you want to dial it in and get competitive family game, it works. If you want to go scale up and challenge yourself at a competitive level, there's national championships. It works at every level. Every, I mean, um, you make up games if you want on this, right? I, you know, so this game uh, is uh, a classic for a reason. It is like maple syrup, poutine, and crown royal classic, eh? <laughs> Now, let's get into another dexterity game that for me is kind of becoming a classic too. Uh, not, you know, let's not, you got to be humble. It's not, it's not Crokinole, but as, as Crokinole is to curling, this is to shuffleboard. And I'm talking about Tumbling Dice. Uh, came out in 2004, two to four players. Uh, it, it says designed by Kerry Grayson, Randy Nash, and Rick Seward, and published by uh, Aylery Games, Eagle Griffin Games. Uh, Eagle Griffin Games, there we go. And uh, uh, let's see, so the, 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 the game details, there you go. Uh, the um, overview and nuts and bolts of this game is pretty much as I... I think the comparative is, is quite accurate. So Tumbling Dice is, in its name, uh, uh, um, you know, probably descriptives right there. You are flicking. It's a flicking game. You're flicking uh, D6 dice, six-sided dice, uh, down a um, terraced player board or terraced uh, um, scoring system where it uh, starts off where, where you um, place your uh, die and where you flick it is a, I, I would guess, like a tee box in golf. Uh, from there, it, it's basically a cone-shaped or, you know, uh, an angle-shaped diamond. Uh, think like baseball coming out. And uh, once it gets to that first plateau, it straightens out and uh, goes basically parallel down this cascade of plateaus where each plateau represents a multiplier value. So... If you shoot short and it just drops, if you can't get out of the, let's say, uh, the, the fairway zone uh, and your dice stops there, the multiplier is zero. If you get over the first uh, terraced uh, cascade, it is your pipped diced value uh, at evaluation because that thing can be bumped and move around and the pips could change and it could get even pushed further down the table. So let's get to that later. Uh, that first level is the pip value of your dice times one. The next one, obviously, the pip value of your dice times two. The next stage, your pip value of uh, dice times three. Now, here's the, uh, the sharpshooter point. 
The fourth level is not uh, left to right, uh, a, a complete rectangular level. Picture it as, as you go from the third rectangular level down to the fourth, you have kind of little, three little landing pads uh, that are um, kind of squares, one on the left perimeter, one on the right per perimeter, and one dead center. And from the third uh, terrace to the fourth terrace, there are back pins, um, like crokinole pins, back pins that your dice might hit that and stay on or hit that and bounce off. But uh, uh, one kind of obstacle that potentially keeps your dice on the board, because if it's off the board, it doesn't score. You start off with four dice uh, per player and four or five dice um, uh, per player. And, and you, wrote, you take turns. And once you exhaust your dice, you evaluate the board. And, you, and like Crokinole, uh, you can approach this in many different ways in regards to um, how the scores evaluate to you winning the game. You could go to, you know, first to 200, first to 100, uh, and attribute every round's point value to your accumulation of points. Or you could do the, um, uh, uh, like the round. You won the first round. You won the second round. Uh, no matter how many points you've, you know, uh, um, uh, beat the other person past. It's all about who wins that round. And, you know, first to three or first to five kind of thing. You can approach it any different way. Here's the cool thing about this as well. And um, uh, I'm kind of deciding where I'm going to put this in. But um, with kids, if they're learning math, this is great because they learn how to evaluate uh, number groups and in like in brackets and then add it to the next bracket and then add it to the next bracket. That takes that abstracted idea of mathematical formulas and shows it to a child in such a uh, tactile and practical way where it, their brain goes, because they're, I mean, physically, their brains uh, haven't developed uh, that abstract uh, cognition yet until they hit adolescence, right? So um, if you can show them functionally how these, I, these weird math ideas work before their brain can figure it out, that's, oh, that's so much the better. And uh, even uh, with, uh, with uh, younger, with Daniel, Daniel um, has Down syndrome. So instead of doing the multipliers, we just have it plus one, plus two, plus three. And work on his math on a little whiteboard. And yeah, it sucks to have uh, parent, uh, teachers as parents, hey? <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's how, I mean, that's how we go about the scoring and how we use this game. Uh, opinions, let's go to the next one. Um, so um, the box art is basically a action shot of the, 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 how the board physically looks. And um, it does the job. It, it, you, what you see is what you get, and there's dice in motion. So you get to put the title and the activity together. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, the components, uh, yeah, um, it is, uh, from a carpenter's point of view, um, I think that it's a... Well, again, I was going to say it's a it's a costly game, but I'm looking at some of these these uh, uh, really high end ones, and you know what this this game you you get what you pay for because uh, it is wood. It's MDF, but it is still uh, not plastic. It's not acrylic. It is uh, wood material, <laughs> and uh, it it puts together great. The pins are awesome. 
Uh, we've taken this apart and put it together so many times that it's uh, the, the, the pinholes where the pegs are received. There's a little wear on the outside, but they're doing a great job. Um, the dice, fantastic. Nice, gorgeous, big D6 dice. Um, the rule book, like I said, like Crokinole, there's a um, procedural structure of the rule set. Your interpretation of that is up to you. Um, game system, game style, it's fun. It's, it's so much fun. Is If it's designed to be fun, they did a really good job. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, unique mechanisms. Uh, I, you know, for, for its simplicity, the uniqueness is the, the anticip anticipation and the anxiety of, of potentially seeing your, uh, you know, if your, your dice is on a six and thinking, just stay there. Nobody hit that. Nobody push it off the table. No, that tension in the whole game is crazy. I've, I've seen us, uh, when we, we used to go to Amazing Stories before the pandemic, um, and this, as we're waiting for people, I'd put this up and just, you know, to kill time until we, you know, a lot of people showed up. We decided what we wanted to play, and we ended up playing this for an hour and a half. So, yeah, enough said. <laughs> Um, does this all connect? Yeah, enough said. We had so much fun that uh, we didn't need to go into, you know, a deep euro or a very thematic. No, we were having fun. <laughs> so it did. It, it, it connects. It does its job. The conclusion here is um, if you like flicking games, if you like those kind of games where uh, you get to play around with how you use the game, or the fact that uh, it's one of those games, it's kind of like a party game where people can step in and step out, right? You change the, you change the rules. We've, we've done it where if there's too many players, then it's low score, boop, you get kicked out. And it's sort of like, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the, you know the pyramid kind of thing, right? Where it's just like, if you can't qualify, boop, you get booted out and the one person waiting gets in. So... It's not necessarily, do you, do you win? It's more, how long can I keep playing until I get punted out and then I got to try to get back in again? Um, that's, that's what this game's all about. It's all about um, social, bringing people together, having fun, laughing, um, just, yeah, having, having that, that, that moment in gaming where you're just living in that experience. So I... Um, high as far as shelf, I mean, Crokinole, it's got its own museum. <laughs> even, I think it even has its own lighting. <laughs> but uh, Tumble and Dice, top shelf. Dexterity games, absolutely top shelf game. Um, the uh, if if it interests you, go check it out. Go watch some videos, and then uh, go and try and get a copy. So yeah, there you go. Tumble and Dice, Eagle Griffin Games, designed by Carrie Grayson. Randy Nash and Rick Seward. And so that takes us to the point where um, we're at this end of this episode. And thank you so much for uh, sticking around and, and listening to what I have to say about board games and the awesomeness of this. I know it's not a proper word, but the awesomeness of this hobby. And uh, well, there you go. I'm your host, Norm, and we'll catch you later. <laughs> This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. 
You can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039. Thank you.